Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back for another episode of What's Your Issue, episode number 10, your weekly comic books review podcast. This is coming at you from the Enough to Keep Going, our E2KG network channel on YouTube. We're recording late this week uh, because of a bevy of issues. Uh, first of all, it was my wedding anniversary this week, and that caused things to get a little uh, off kilter for me. Uh, here with me, as always, is my good friend and partner, Mr. Stephen Laura. How you doing, Stephen? I'm doing good. And I just noticed like last week was my one year anniversary of doing my podcast. I mean, doing podcasting. Ah, cool. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, I forgot that last year. It's been a year <laughs> I've been doing podcasting. Awesome. Awesome. That's very good. Well, I was glad to, uh, I'm glad to then uh, find you and uh, for you and I to be doing this together then in the uh, start of your second year. So hopefully uh, we will be coming right back around to celebrate another podcast anniversary for you uh, at yeah. this time in 2019. Um, now, another reason we're running late, I have to come clean on, is uh, the first book that we're going to talk about in the review segment. And that was Justice League number 13. It, I, I had a lot of problems getting through the entrance ramp onto this book. I think I read like two pages a day. For, for like two or three days, like, and, and I would put it down and I just wouldn't want to come back to it. And, and part of frustrating that book, go ahead. Yeah. And, and part of it is that like, I'm not a big fan of, of villain books. There's only been a couple that I've taken a shine to Deathstroke is something that's a little unusual. Um, I took a shine to the Sinestro book for a while. Uh, but in general, I'm not really a huge fan of them. They never last. And we all understand why they're not huge commercial successes because comic book fans tend to not like to read about villains as the primary characters, um, not in large numbers and not for a long duration of time. So they did the whole thing where they like, they scrawled like Legion of doom over the justice league, like on the cover. Um, and there's no justice league in this book. The other thing is Steven, just as you and I talked about a few weeks ago, the inevitable fallacy in the notion of the Legion of doom was again, portrayed, right? That you're just never going to get, a bunch of egotistical, narcissistic villains to ever cooperate together for a sufficiently long amount of time to undo the Justice League. And actually, they give a line, right, to Cheetah um, in the comic where they say, look, there's like eight of them on the first string, and then they have like third and fourth stringers, and there's like four of us, right? So mm -hmm. um, so it, the, the whole book seemed kind of futile, I didn't really start taking a shine to the book until um, in, in, until really the last quarter of the book. And I will say those were some of the best pages in comics that I've read all year. Now, first of all, we have Gia March on art, which is uh, a, a special thing to be savored and appreciated. Um, and artwork is pretty remarkable uh, in this comic. Um, so this is a, a James Tinney in the fourth story. Uh, for some reason, my iPad is at the walking about zooming in. Uh, so James Tignan, the fourth uh, on writing, Guillaume March on art. I saw Francis Manipole credited in a couple places. Um, so maybe he did a page or something in here. Uh, colors are by uh, Arif Prianto and letters by Tom Napolitano. Um, this comic tells the story of what occurred when the Legion, when this iteration of the Legion of Doom was being pulled together, and it's really about the interaction between Lex and the Joker, um, and there's some clear animosity between the two of them, but uh, 
Joker agrees to come on board, but he has one demand, and that that is that Lex not bring aboard the Batman who laughs because Joker's I, I, my interpretation of Joker's take on the Batman who laughs is look, I'm crazy and there's things that I do and I do them at random and they're spontaneous and they're murderous. However, the Batman who laughs is even worse. Um, and Lex breaks that promise that he makes to the Joker and the, and, and Lex thinks he's doing it in secret, but the Joker knows. Uh, so there's this whole sequence of, um, Lex, you know, gave Joker the freedom to go build a death trap room that they were going to put, get the justice league into, but the Joker in reality has, uh, made the entire, uh, uh, Legion of doom base, a death trap. And so when, uh, Lex brings in a bunch of kind of second string scrub villains, uh, Dr. Freeze, uh, Scarecrow, uh, the Riddler, um, uh, the Joker sets off this series of death traps in an effort to kill uh, Lex. He also um, releases um, specialized Joker laughing gas, which which he says he especially tailored to each individual. But then he also uh, made the chemical mixture so that Lex would be immune. So everyone else in the Legion of Doom is impacted by this, uh, except Lex Luthor. Uh, Joker eventually catches Lex, and, and again, I go back to like these best pages that are written in comics, and there's two to four pages of exposition of the joke explaining to Lex what he's done and how he got the better of him. Um, But the way he ties it all off is he says, look, here's what I was going to do to you. And all these things would be horrific and they would serve you right. However, none of them is as fitting a punishment as for me to just leave you to the fate that you brought upon yourself by letting you go ahead and partner with the Batman who laughs, because I guarantee you whatever he has in store for you, Lex is going to be far worse than anything I would ever do to you. Thank you very much. I'm done. Um, This book takes place in two different parts of the timeline. Uh, Part of it occurs before we see um, the, the events in drown earth and really before the initial Legion of doom arc in the justice league, because it's all about how the Legion gets put together and how you get to, um, the original membership that we see when this version of the Justice League kicks off. Uh, and then it takes place after then the other half of it takes place after the events of drown earth, uh, after black Manta has left the group um, because, because part of the recruiting scene is the effort to uh, recruit um, new members to replace black Manta. So my other problem with this book too is again, I'm just kind of tired of the Legion of doom and the whole notion. Um, now we've been doing it for what would it be the equivalent in comics? This would have been a full year and a month of the Legion of doom, right? If they were back on a, on a shipping monthly schedule. So I, I'm, I'm just kind of tired of this arc of protagonism and, and, and antagonism and would like to move on that all being said, those four pages in comics, like I said, were some of the best I've read in comics all year as we're heading towards closing out 2018. Guillaume March's art, probably arguably the best artwork that I saw in a week that was really strong on art. Um, And so at the end of the day, I still graded this book uh, 9.0 based predominantly on the strength of those four pages. Uh, it, It was tough for me to get into um, but it, at the end of the day, it was the most satisfying comic that I ended on um, when I closed the pages on it to move on to the next issue. Steven, I know that you read this. Um, yeah, I have a, I have a I feeling feel that like this, it. 
Yeah, I have a feeling that this week we're going to disagree on a lot, which is fine. That that will happen. <laughs> there will be weeks where we'll be more in sync and weeks where we're not going to be in sync. But uh, but go ahead and tell me what you thought about Justice League number thirteen. I just didn't like how Joker decides to tries to um tortures Lex Luthor, and then at the end he decides not to go through with it. It just uh, bothered me, and I don't see any difference between. The man who laughs and 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 Joker. I think they're the same character. I have not seen a, a difference between them. I disagree with that. So, so did you did you read Metal? Yeah, I actually read Metal, okay. and to me, they felt like the same character. Okay, right. But but you know, li- but but in terms in literary terms, you know the difference between the two, right? Yeah, okay. I know that. Because I'm asking because I didn't when I when like when I first saw the character I thought it was a Joker from the other from another Earth but when I realized it was a it was a very a Batman that's yeah it's supposed to be a Bruce Wayne that turns into a Joker right yeah oh, another okay one. yeah and so uh, so that so when I realized that that I was like oh yeah that would potentially be worse <laughs> right, than, than our version of the Joker. Um, but but again, it's it's yeah. But I get there's a there's a there's a Ward Wheel aspect of that character too because it's a it's another multiverse, you know, yeah. screwball. So, I mean, it's fine. I this is an instance for me, and and there's going to be this is going to ring true for me th- throughout the books that that I read uh, last week. And even though today is New Comic Book Day, um, again we're behind recording, so we're actually talking about the books that shipped the fifth of December. Um, normally we would record on Monday nights. This is a spoilery re- review show, by the way. Um, we are going to get into the details of all the comics. So if you haven't read them, certainly you have because it's new comic book day. But I know some there are some people who let comic books stack up and like have a running backlog. But and read those first and then come back. I noticed the art was very jarring. I just it was you felt to read. <laughs> okay, okay. It it was. It was very, yeah. It's 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 jarring in that Gia March has a very specific style that is not hyper stylized, but in terms of how, in particular, he draws faces, they are very specific. I feel like they're they're a lot more detailed and a lot more realistic in terms of actual demographics of of people. Um, but but, yeah, but yes, that comes off as jarring. I think it's really good. But I also agree that it's very, you know, it's it's something you kind of have to get settled in and used to if you're not uh, accustomed to seeing it. I, I have the same question that I have with Francis Manipal. Francis Manipal is a very highly talented artist. Um, I, I was very surprised to show an artist of that caliber show up on Justice League um, who, who is not like a house or exclusive DC artist. Um, Gia March is kind of painted with the same stripe. I'm very curious to see if we're going to get you know, five more issues of Guillaume March, um, or if this is what I would expect from a Guillaume March, which would be he just swoops in and does the one issue, uh, and then, you know, uh, Jimenez or somebody else comes in who's more of a regular cast member um, and does that part of the creative work. Um, so, and I'm sorry, what did you say you you rated you rated the issue? Oh, I'll give it a five. <laughs> five. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. <laughs> it was, I didn't like it, and the monologues the weird monologue talking was just annoying for me. Okay. All right. Well, let's go on and, and uh, move on to another comic that you and I both read. Uh, I say Ninjack, although I, I know that grammatically it's written out as Ninja K. I just refuse to comply 
<laughs> was that right into the title? character was called Ninja Ninjak before, and now yeah. it changes to Ninja K. Right. So I'm still going to say Ninjak. So we're talking about Ninjak number 14, uh, and you have the lead on this review rundown. So I'll let you go with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the Ninjak number 14 is supposed to be the final issue of the series. Uh, it's is written by. Uh, Crystal's Gage and the uh, the artist is Roberto De La Torre. Um, the colorist is Jose Viberia. I don't know how to say that name. And the letters is um, uh, we don't know the letters, but it says a larger world studios, which doesn't make sense. But anyway. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, this book is coming off the last issue where, uh, after Ninjak decides to beat the villain, uh, the, the MI6 decides to go after Ninjak for not telling where Livewire is. So, they go to hunt him down and um Ninjak decides to uh meet up with his um his his seek uh his I'm getting his name but uh it's 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 his um commander his like commander in chief I think yeah and they um he meets up with him and he says that they're, I mean, Ninjak decides to tell him that he's done. He doesn't want to work with him anymore because he's tired of, you know, the government going after him for doing something that's, that's for the greater good. And, and he doesn't understand why would they want to go after a superhero who's just trying to save children. And they, they, um, yeah, they decided to end their relationship and work. He Ninjak decided to end his relationship working on MI six, and now he's on the run from the from the government. So I guess they're gonna go after him, and the MI six is is I guess gonna start going after him. He's gonna be a fugitive from now on. And that's how the book ends. And uh, I decided to get this book at seven point because. I really don't like the idea of him being a fugitive and the MI6 disbanding him and they ended their trust. And I thought Ninjak had a good relationship with his, with the person he works with. And, and yeah, they always had a good relationship and he's, He's gone. They have gone against what the MI6 wants them to do in the last series, and it just seems kind of weird that that is different here. I just, I don't know. I think the Harbinger Wars ruined the whole entire comic book line of Valiance. I know a lot of comic books got canceled left and right, and I don't know. I think they didn't sell so well after that debacle happened. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask you any, anything else then that you wanted to cover on on Ninja K. No, 
I just I just hope that the next series with uh, the killers is gonna be pretty interesting because I I liked the series in the beginning with all the different types of ninjas and uh, ninjack finding out who they are and who's the v- the villain and they just eventually went off to a different storyline and never went back to it and it kind of disappointed me. Yeah, so uh, so I was pretty satisfied with this issue. I didn't feel like there was anything particularly spectacular. Um, I I rated it a, a seven point oh. I'm sorry. I think I yeah, gave, I gave the same score. <laughs> well, I think I gave it a seven point five. Uh, oh, okay, actually, um, yeah, it, it had a very old school flavor in the in the art style that I really appreciated. It felt uh, kind of like a like a like a good eighties uh, comic. Um, from a from an art perspective, uh, with uh, Robert De La Torre on art and uh, Jose Villarubia on colors. Um, uh, overall, I felt like the action was pretty well paced and uh, and 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 decently choreographed. I didn't uh, again. This is a melee book, so it's a little hard, and they definitely have Ninjak do a lot of kind of crazy stunts. Um, and and even amongst other like MI six operatives, he is. Uh, yeah, there's one little bit of a sequence in the helicopter fight where I like wasn't I'm like how did that happen from where they were last time? But other than that, I mean, it went pretty good. Uh, unlike uh, it had kind of a noir color palette, and unlike some of the other comics that I talked about in the most recent weeks that I didn't care for, um, that were I felt like trying to go for something that was similarly stylized. Um, I, I felt like this one came off well, especially the closing scene uh, with the sunset behind. Uh, the 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 ninja department director um, and all of Ninjax like equipment and gear sitting out on the desk uh, with a sunset happening uh, or twilight uh, scene uh, out the out you know the the uh, what I want to call it the the blinds right behind the guy I thought that was done uh, really well so but yeah I, but you know at, at at the end of the day I don't know it, there's a there were a lot of issues this week that were just kind of issues that had to happen. Right. Yeah. Like in, in order to move from one part of like an arc or something to the next arc. So, um, but I appreciated this one for what it was, I guess more, mostly uh, artistically, I, I guess maybe where I was most positive about it was I felt like this is a thing that's really easy to screw up, right. Trying to tie the story up with, with as many, with as much complexity as in, as many loose ends as there could have been left. Uh, yeah. And I thought I thought Chris was did a pretty good job, kind of keeping that together and not letting it get entirely too sporadic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I also both read Doomsday Clock number eight, and I'm curious to hear what you thought about that one. Okay, um, Doomsday Clock is is written by Jeff Johns. Uh, the artist is Gary Frank. Colors is Brad Anderson. And the letter is Rob Lay. So yeah, um, Doomsday Eight was mainly about um, you see that uh, Lois and Clark and Perry White are are they're watching the news and they find out that uh, that uh, firestorm has gone to Russia and. He fights with um, Prozar because uh, he he doesn't like that Pozar and the 
the team that the agents that's working for Russia as the superheroes have put that Firestorm is a secret American agent working for the government with like with a whole bunch of metahumans. Like there's some Superman theory that the the US had created the metahumans on purpose and they work for the government. That's what the story's going on about. And um as uh Firestorm is fighting the Russian agent superheroes. Um, they uh, there's a there's a protest going on because uh, Russians are testing every human to see if they have uh, any metahuman powers, and the protest the citizens don't like that that's going on in their country, and then uh. <laughs> So yeah, they uh, Firestorm ends up going out of control, and he ends up turning everyone into glass. Like he turned all the protesters into glass, and he runs scared. And uh, Superman, I mean Clark Kent, decides to. He heard recent reportings of that Firestorm had went to uh, Black Adam's country, Kondak. Because that's where a whole bunch of metahumans have gone because of, because a lot of um, metahumans have um, been treated been treated badly because of the whole Superman theory is coming out in in news reports and people are finding out about that and they're making the metahumans unaccepted like they they like hate it like 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 if um. Like in Marvel, where the X Men hate when the the humans hate the mutants, so it's it's going off the same thing. And Kondak and Black Adam, um, their um his country is they have they're accepting metahumans to live in peace and have an actual life. So Superman is talking to him and asking if Firestorm actually went to his country, and he says no. The media is lying. He hasn't been here i don't i don't know what they're talking about they're not here and he decides to go find firestorm and he knows firestorm was trapped he was in like some abandoned um oil factory place and um firestorm has like a a, a glad a ch- um he has a child that's that he turns to glass and he's trying to undo it and for some reason Superman talks to him and and tells him that he's just scared, he's just paranoid about what the people think of him, his reputation, and he needs to calm down and he that he can actually probably undo the the the, the damage he did. So he was able to unglass the child. So the child was able to not be turned to glass anymore. He was a regular person. Yeah, he went back to normal. And then um, Firestorm and Superman decide to go to Russia and try to... They try to um, turn everyone back to normal, but the Russians were pissed off and Putin tried to send the agents and the whole military against Firestorm and Superman and uh, as they're fighting and they end up breaking all the 
all the people that were that were turned into glass. So yeah, all those people get killed, and um, havoc goes loose, and uh, Batman tells Superman that uh, that um, that that's not Firestorm. That's just a plan that the Russians put a um, pawned it on you, so you could something for something to happen. Like I guess. They're trying to find. They, I guess, the Russians are trying to kill Superman in some sort of way. I don't know what that was going on, but they didn't explain that. So, uh, so yeah, Firestorm goes out of control, and the whole entire rush. I mean, the whole entire place just blows up. And I don't know. You see, like Doctor. You see, like uh, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be Doctor Manhattan blows up the whole entire place, but everything just turns blue, and it just like. A big explosion and it ends right there. Right. Well, we get we get one cut right to uh to Ozymandias in his lair. Yeah. Um kind of doing the I mean it doesn't literally do it, but it basically doing the mu ha 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 ha, right? Like he's you know, you know, his grand plan is coming together. Yeah. Um, so so there's there's an awful lot going on in this yeah, book. Yeah, um, long way to explain it. I notice. <laughs> no, no, no. There's, it's it's a slightly longer book than normal. I think it's a slightly oversized issue. But uh, but what was your final review score on this one? I gave it a seven point eight because it was kind of rough to read at the beginning. Uh, I don't know, but uh, I think Jeff Johns. Um, yeah, I know this echo going on. So yeah, Jeff Johns. Um, I don't know. I think he's since this book is getting delayed constantly. I think he had a rough, rough beginning of the book, and I didn't like the book until after until the until the firestorm thing started happening. That's when the book really started kicking real good, and I actually started enjoying it. It had a very rough beginning because I don't know for some reason Lois and Clark. Their conversations were very stiff. It looked like they weren't. They were. They didn't like. They were. They known each other for a while. The way they were talking, and it just felt their conversations felt weird. But I really did like how Superman um talks to Firestorm and believes in him that he can un un I mean like unglass the people that he just tur- that he just turned and it was um. I, I did like how Superman is very encouraging. I really did see the the character that Superman is supposed to be in that book. I he really did shine there, and I did like seeing him as a hero. Cool. Well, I scored it pretty much the same. I rated it an eight point out of ten. Um, <clears throat> uh, Gary Frank's art is really good. Uh, yeah, his art is great. I agree. Yeah, so the Gary Frank art was good. I, it, you know, I appreciate this book for what it is and what it's doing. Um, I don't like where it sits in the greater DC universe, right? And as you mentioned, there were delays. Now this thing is going on. We're also doing Drown Earth. We just got done doing, you know, the Witching Hour, whatever the Wonder Woman Dark Justice League thing was. Yeah. Um, we've got kind of events going on all over the place. This is not in continuity. It is. I don't know where it is in continuity. I'm well, and, and, it out. <laughs> and, and that's what I'm saying. I, I think I think I'm just I think I'm just at a point where, as a reader, I'm a little bit over. And I've mentioned this right where I'm a little bit over like the the Elseworlds kind of stuff, right? Like the 
the alternate timeline. This isn't really happening. I'm like, well, when you're at a point where like every, everything, when you say about everything that it's, it's some skewed timeline or it doesn't really matter, or maybe it connects and maybe it doesn't, then I'm like, well, why are you doing it? Right? Like if everything yeah. is that, then why are you doing it? This is this goofy mishmash of like the, the, uh, the, um, the Watchmen characters and the DC universe. There are elements of it. I, I like, like I actually liked the parts that are written between Clark and Lois. Um, I like Bruce, you know, telling Superman, like you're dude, you're, you're walking in, you're talking yourself into a verbal trap. Like you need yeah. to shut up and stop talking. Um, I did like that too. The, uh, the firestorm stuff was interesting. It's also, it's actually a little disappointing that it's not firestorm. Cause I thought that was an interesting character thing for him yeah. to, to have to go through this notion that like in a, in a panic, his powers manifested themselves in a way that he didn't anticipate uh, and he transformed organic matter, which he has historically not been able to do. And then rather than uh, run from Russia and go to Kondok and hide out, he's actually staying in Russia because he's insisted on figuring out how to transmute one of these humans back into flesh and blood. Um, and the, and the notion that professor Stein is telling him, dude, it, it can't be done. Right. Like, like it's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah so um, I actually would have preferred it if it was firestorm. Um, but that all being said, it, there's a lot of things in the issue that play on emotion, right? Like um, I was kind of in shock when he transformed all the people to glass um, I felt sad for him as he was trying to, you know, transform the boy back to flesh and blood. Um, mm-hmm. And it and, and also felt a similar horror when like the, 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 Soviet, the Russian leader who's clearly supposed to be Putin, Putin based yeah. on the way he's drawn, um, you know, when, when, when the Russian troops start firing on them and, and the collateral damages of the people made of glass are being hit, which means they're, they're either not going to be able to be put back together or if they are put back together, you know, they're going to be missing, you know, limbs or they'll actually be suffering, you know, mortal damage uh, as they're transformed back. So, so a lot of heartstring stuff went on, but it's, but it's tough for me to settle into it when I'm like, but this isn't like, you know, this isn't real, right? I mean, like it's not in continuity. I don't know where it's going to sit. Um, and I don't know that it's going to matter right when this is all said yeah. and done. And Lois Lane finding about the justice, justice um, society of America. Yeah, so that's interesting. So apparently, what's going on in this timeline, n- n- like nobody knows about a JSA um, having existed back in World War II. So, uh, so yeah, that's interesting to see how that uh, unfolds. Um, so, Deadpool number seven. Um, I'm sorry, I, uh, we're we're just uh, I'm not running with the same logistics setup. Okay, this week. Uh, So Deadpool number seven, uh, written by Scotty Young with art by um, by Nick Klein, uh, letters by Jeff Eckleberry. Uh, so uh, the first thing is again. So I read this one. This was the second book in my stack after having read Justice League, and unlike Justice League, I immediately took a shine to this book. Uh, Nick Klein's art is really remarkable, um, and I don't. Like his name doesn't latch in my mind. I'm sure that I've seen his work before, um, but his name doesn't latch in my mind as somebody that I've had a particular uh, great taste for. Um, the The situation in this story is uh, it's and it's weird. Again, there's weird things this week where like 
Marvel has done the exact same thing here that I'm complaining that DC did in Justice League or in Doomsday Clock, but here I feel like it works and it doesn't bother me. So this is uh, what I what I guess I would claim or believe would have to be an entirely uh, different mythology of story or an out of continuity story where um, these kids wake up uh, on Christmas of this year, I guess, um, to find nothing under the tree, uh, and so in anger they get together and start a GoFundMe campaign. Um, they call it something different. I think they call it a GoPayMe campaign, but uh, start a Kickstarter or GoFundMe campaign to uh, earn money, which I think they ostensibly say it's to buy uh, like presents for them since they didn't get anything on Christmas. Um, but they're actually taking out his blood money to contract Deadpool to have him go kill Santa Claus in retribution for Santa Claus not having delivered any presents on Saturday morning to these kids. Um, there's a scene in Deadpool's office, which is in the back, which is in a back closet uh, in a toy store uh, in a mall um, where they come to, uh, to recruit him uh, in kind of committee format. Um, and there's all these instances where these little kids say things that, you know, no, no child of that size would say, right. They're, they, they say like very sophisticated sentences that like some adults wouldn't be able to get, would be able to handle. Uh, but but because I know it's it's entirely a farce and it's satire, like I'm okay with it. It works and it's whimsical and also smart and witty at the same time. Um, so uh, so uh, so Deadpool takes the contract, goes off to kill Santa Claus, which I had some problems with. I'm like, yeah, but like, is he really going to do this? And like again, does it like there's a, there's a certain point where it gets so silly that you're like, ah, but you know. How, how do we play that back, you know, on the, on the back, on the backside of the story. Uh, but what he actually finds out is that he, there is a fight between him, between him and Santa Claus, which I thought was awesome. And, and actually when he shows up in Miss Claw, tries to blow his head off with a shotgun. So there was some funny, there were several funny moments in this book, comic. Uh, but then he eventually finds out that, um, that actually there was an, 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 an elf that basically defected um, when he wasn't able to get his way, took a bunch of elves with him, uh, went to work for Roxxon Corp, um, and uh, and making toys. Um, and so uh, after Deadpool gets done fighting Santa Claus and gets the real scoop on what's going on, he takes off to take this guy down, um, this other elf. Uh, and so that was a little more satisfying because the whole time when he's fighting Santa Claus, I'm kind of cringing like to wait and see if he's actually going to kill Santa Claus. Um, but then when he goes off to take down the elf, and I'm like, okay, I'm fine, completely fine with an elf being killed. <laughs> so, um, so after there's that fight, um, then uh, Deadpool uh, borrows Santa Claus's sleigh. Just uh, Deadpool grabbed like three crates of toys um, while he was uh, attacking the rocks and toy division, um, and loads those up on the sleigh to then take the sleigh around the world to distribute to, to kids. So, uh, so at the end of the day, I wound up uh, scoring this issue. Uh, I believe I gave it an eight point five. Yeah, grading this issue with an eight point five. So, um, again, there there are times where I don't go in for this sort of stuff, but maybe it was because I read this right after uh, Justice League. I felt I was entirely fine with it, um, and actually uh, got into it and found it funny. So, uh, so Stephen, did you read this issue? And if so, what did you think about it? Yeah, I didn't like it because <laughs> it just felt weird with the whole Santa Claus being evil and Deadpool trying to kill him. It just 
threw me off. I don't know. I just didn't like it. No, I could see it. I was actually, again, I was actually surprised when I found myself liking it from the opening page because like, usually this is a thing that I would be like, all right, come on. Like, do I really have to read like 20 something pages of this? Um, but I guess I felt like the, I felt like Scotty's writing style uh, just kind of perfectly conveyed that this is silly and it's nonsense, even in comic book terms. Um, but, you know, stick with me and, and, and go with me and, uh, and, uh, and see how you like it. So, um, so I was actually pretty, uh, pretty okay with it, but I can understand how, uh, how you'd feel differently. So uh, Iron Fist number three. Yeah, it's from the Marvel Comics origi- digital originals. Yeah, um, yeah the the book is written by Clay Chapman. Uh, the artist is Gamero Sana, and the colorist is Lee Larbridge, and the letters is Travis Lanham. So yeah, um, this book is is coming off where Iron Fist is he was doing some he was fighting a villain and the kid ends up getting injured and he didn't get a chance to save him. He's in he was in the hospital and the villain ends up taking over his body and, and the kid ends up the eventually uh the villain the phantom limb he ends up going to uh he ends up going to uh, Luke Cage's body, and their Iron Fist and Luke Cage is constantly fighting each other. And eventually, um, Iron Fist comes up with a deal with uh, the Phantom Limbs. Um, he comes with a deal with um, his leader, and the leader wants to go kill him because of. Because he decides to leave town and I mean leave leave hell and start doing his own damage on Earth, so they end up fighting each other, the two demons, and the demons ends up killing the 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 other demon and yeah, so I'm trying to remember what's going on, <laughs> sorry, but yeah, but uh. Luke Cage's body is released, and and also uh, Iron Fist is able to he's able to recover, and f- I think he actually fought the villain, and and the villain was able to get killed by the demon, and and that was pretty much it. Um, they go on off to their days, and everything goes back to normal. The kid is back to normal he's not infected with the demon stuff anymore and iron fist realizes that he shouldn't put himself in doubt just because uh he wasn't able to save the child from earlier issues because yeah that was really affecting him as a superhero yeah Okay, and what did you uh, what did you wind up scoring this one overall? I gave this as uh, an 8.0 because I really did like how Iron Fist just struggles with himself and tries to decide whether he's a a better human being, and he just 
messed up. He's not. He's not. Um. He's not a screw-up because he didn't save a child's life, and he did get to save him, but he he was in the hospital because of it, because of not him saving him. So, so I actually like the hero struggling with that, and I did like the villain. He was pretty interesting, and I did like the Iron Fist getting the the. Dark fist powers, like some new iron fist powers that gave like a blue glowing light on instead of yellow. So I thought that was interesting, and I hope that he uses it in the next couple of books. Um, but yeah, this is the final issue, so I'm not sure. I mean, if there comes another iron fist series, they will use that, but I thought it was pretty interesting and. I don't know. I I really did enjoy the story. It's just that the action was very long winded. That's the only problem I had with it. Okay. All right. So on to the final issue in the review segment, Batman number sixty. Um, so uh, the cover, first of all, and this is uh, is absolutely gorgeous. It, it he's got the original costume on. Um, so to me, it definitely invoked, uh, images of like the old 1960s cartoon with Adam West and Burt Ward. Um, so it's wonderfully done, uh, cover. Um, the situation in here is, uh, as we had last time, Batman had burst into Arkham, uh, and, uh, uh, wrestled, you know, Bane out of his cell, um, and was just beating him into submission to, uh, get him to admit to a thing that the penguin told him, which was that, Hey, Bane is inside Arkham pulling all the strings all across the city and, and everything that you've gone through has all been bait due to, you know, Bane uh, manipulating, manipulating circumstances to allow those things to happen. Um, so, uh, so Batman in this issue is going across town, grabbing every known criminal from like the, the least effective to the most, um, you know, if they have so much as like dropped a pencil, um, and is basically just trying to beat information out of them and beat one of them to the point where they will admit that Bane uh, is orchestrating all this stuff. Um, uh, so we, what we get to see is we get to see Jim Gordon deal with this rift that's growing between him and Batman. And uh, one of the things Jim is driven to do is he takes uh, a bat and, uh, and, and wails on the bat signal and knocks all the glass out of it, basically declared that like he's, He's not going to call Batman uh, when the city is in need. You know, he, he'll handle it along with the police department. Um, uh, and, and, pro- and probably the biggest thing is there's uh, one thing I really liked is there's, a, there's kind of a touching scene in my mind. There's this uh, sequence and it happens uh, across two sets of panels. Um, and they do the first and they swerve the camera away back to Batman, I think. And then they come back to the scene. There's a lot of dialogue in between uh uh, Penguin and Alfred. Now, one of the things I felt was kind of hokey was um, Penguin is blindfolded in this issue, but I'm like, there doesn't appear to be any reason why he wouldn't couldn't just reach up and like take the blindfold down other than, you know, you know, eventually, you know, uh, Alfred is going to go to sleep. Right. And so he could do that, but, uh, but whatever. Uh, so, so there's uh, a few pages of dialogue and exchange between um the penguin and, uh, and, and Alfred. Um, 
And of course, at the end, we get the, I guess, supposedly theoretically big reveal, although I, I still look at this a little skeptically as far as how real it is. And we get the reveal that um, uh, that the person who has been direct giving Bane direction, so Bane has supposedly been orchestrating this very uh, organized effort to kind of basically mentally harass Batman. Um, but in this issue, it gets revealed that uh, that even Bane isn't like the brains behind the whole operation, that there's another guy behind him. Um, we we then deal with like um, the Justice League. Uh, sorry, um, we then. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I lost my track, my train of thought. Um, but uh, and so at any rate, there's a so then we get to this big reveal, and at the end, what what happens is uh, it is supposedly uh, Thomas Wayne um, from apparently Earth Two. I guess it is. Um, which is weird for me because um, I don't know how this happened. Uh, Thomas Wayne was one of the characters that sacrificed themselves in the course of uh, of Convergence, um, the DC events that happened uh, during the New 52 and should be a character that was re- re- uh, removed from the chessboard. So I'm not sure what's going on. Again, I'm uh, one of the reasons this doesn't quite stick to landing for me is that I'm highly skeptical, skeptical of the reveal and therefore I kind of didn't wasn't didn't have the ability to have an emotional emotional reaction to it. I was, you know, trying to keep away from, um, uh, you know, going into the um, into the comic book reader cynicism and just going, oh, that's stupid. You know, that would never happen. You know, but but I I was left like with a lack of really it was it was like a lack of understanding of like, you know, how how is this feasible? Like, what's going on? Um, so uh, at the end of the day, I rated this book an 8.5. Um, I was really impressed by uh, the Mike Mikhail Janin art throughout uh, last issue. Um, it looked like maybe a new art style that he was trying. Um, and I felt like there were a few panels that didn't come off as well. Um, but I felt this was all pretty exquisitely done from an art perspective. Um, so, uh So yes, yeah, so like I said, in, in eight point five. Stephen, you read this issue also. I, I, my prediction is that this is another one that we're going to disagree on. No, I didn't get to. I, I decided to drop Batman again. Uh, I read, I've, I've read about it, and I saw the teaser with Thomas Wayne, uh, with Alfred, and I didn't understand that either. Okay, so so there we go. Those are all the books in our reviews segment. Steven, no, I what? Didn't, oh, oh, sorry. What? No, go ahead. No, what's up? No, I thought you was going to end the reviews. No, I just, never mind. I got confused. Okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah, we're probably both a little punchy. It's pretty late at night. Um, yeah. So we're trying to uh, wrap up before we completely lose it. Uh, what for you was uh, the best thing that you read last week? Mine's was The Walking Dead by um, Robert Kurtman and it was Walking Dead 186 by Robert Kurtman and the artist is is um, God, my brain is somewhere else. Um, is Charlie Aller and and um, the colors is Dave Stewart and I guess, and the letter is Ru- Russ Woolton, and the inker is 
is Stefano Guano. But yeah, um, I did really like this book a lot because um, it starts with uh, Rick talking with Michonne and they're discussing about what they're going to do here with this new Commonwealth place that they visited. And uh, Rick does see that this this place has become a police state. He does understand that and he does understand where Dwight is coming from. I thought he didn't understand it, but it seems like he did. He just didn't agree with him the way he wants to go about things. And uh, they decide that they're gonna they went to go talk to the they went to go talk to like the the person who's in charge of the, the Commonwealth town. And it was yeah, her name is Pamela. So yeah, they went to go talk to her with Dwight and Michonne. And they wanted to discuss about the police state issues, but they not agree with. They didn't like they don't they don't like that this there's people around every single area with guns, like police patrolling everywhere. So um, she was, Pamela was will, was willing to comply and, and discuss how they can come to an agreement. And Dwight didn't want to discuss that. And surprisingly, uh, Rick ends up shooting Dwight in the head. Because he started going crazy and wanted to attack Pamela when he, that's not what Rick wanted to do. He just wanted to talk. It was supposed to be a peace, uh, peace talking, discussing what they can do for as a uh, as working together and trading and whether Rick should take over or yeah. So. They were trying to discuss that, and Dwight wasn't wasn't with it, and he got shot in the head, and that's how the book ends. So uh, dramatic shenanigans going on in the pages of The Walking Dead, as always, which I guess is why people yeah. are such fans of that book. Uh, for me, the best thing that I read last week was uh, Justice League number 13, which we've already talked about, um, so I will not belabor that point further. Oh, I forgot to mention this. I gave it a 9.5. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Nope, that's good. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and write us down your honorable mentions from last week? So yeah, um, so yeah, my honorable mentions is is um, is is Green Arrow number forty seven. I gave it nine point oh. So yeah. Um, trying to put my flock in my other screen because I can look at it. Um so yeah I gave I gave Green Arrow 40 number 47 9.0 Shazam number one a 8.5 Star Wars number 58 a 8.0 uh Winter Soldier number one a 8.0 and Dr- the dream number four 8.0 I just want to say that I really did like Green Arrow because uh, I had a nice conclusion to the chapter of the story and Citizen was a great villain. I just hope I enjoy the next issue. I really like how Benson writes I write, I like how the Bensons write uh, Green Arrow. It's a really interesting book and I like the political aspect of it. Bye. 
Yeah, and I, I so I read Greedo number forty seven. Also, I was not as enamored with the issue. I, in, in a different situation and setup, uh, I, I may have uh, gained more traction with it. I just felt like it was, it, it, you know, it didn't do a whole lot. It was kind of like I mentioned. It was one of those necessary kind of construct, you know, uh, structural kind of issues that had to be done. Um, I, there were a couple things that were a little off putting in it. Like I'd, I'm not sure that how I feel about the whole the green aeroplane. Um, that they have at the end that oh. seems like decidedly, <laughs> me, but yeah, yeah, it feels decidedly, yeah, right, right. Um, it feels decidedly not Green Arrow ish in the way they've structured him over the last few years. Um, but it it puts it it resolves the schism you know that we had with the creative um thing of 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 making you know Diana basically a Batgirl sidekick while she was in Burnside. Um, and kind of separates her back out and puts her back over with Oliver uh, as a as an adult and not as like these uber teens that Batgirl, uh, the Huntress, and uh, Black Canary were. Um, so hopefully that will, you know, those characters will kind of be aged a little bit. Uh, so for me, my honorable mentions were, I also read Star Wars number 58, which I also had a lo- lesser opinion of uh, than your score. Um, okay. Based mostly on again on the same thing like like not like not a lot happened in the issue. It was a lot of talking heads. It was a very wordy issue, um, and I and I wasn't entirely clear on what the closing, uh, in, in what the last panel indicated with the reveal of what Leia's been doing in her room uh, for the last couple months while they've been holed up on this planet. Um, so uh, so for my honorable mentions, uh, Deadpool number seven, uh, I gave it eight point five, which we talked about uh, earlier. Uh, Batman number 60, I gave an 8.5. And Doomsday Clock number 8, I gave an 8.0. Again, one of those weird things of, I'm not super crazy about what they're doing with that book creatively, um, but I did recognize the quality of the craft uh, in the book. Uh, Next week's polls, and uh, as they were last week, last week's pull list for me was was long. Um, I typically uh, will max out at 12 issues in a week, and I was at 11 last week. Uh, I'll be reading 11 issues again this week. Uh, those issues will include Batman Annual, number three. Uh, Fantastic Four Wedding Special, number one. Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 313. Titans, number 31. Smooth Criminals, number two, from Boom. And Empty Man, number two, from Boom. I'm looking particularly uh, forward to that one because that's uh, Cullen Bunn um, uh, writing that story, who I've uh, been a huge fan of his Hero County series. Uh, uh, the Batman Who Last Number One, which I said I wasn't going to read, uh, but it came up in the in the randomization uh, Rolodex. Uh, Hawkman Number Seven, Champions Number Twenty Seven, Miles Morales, Spider Man Number One, and Spider Girls Number Three. Uh, Stephen, what are you going to be pulling next week? Yeah, this is a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of books that came out, so I'm. Just gonna, I'm I decided to say um, these are the ones I'm looking forward to. Uh, is Batman Annual number three, uh, the Batman who lasts number one, Champions number twenty-seven, the Kongs number nine hundred ninety-four, uh, Infinity Wars Ghost Panther number two, Justice League Dark number six, Miles Morales Spider-Man number one, Mister and Mister Mrs X number six, um, Peter Parker's Fat Sack Spider-Man three number three hundred thirteen. Scooby Doo number 32, Spider Girls number 3, Spider Gwen, Ghost Spider number 3, Star Wars Dot the Offer number 27, and X Men Red number 11. 
man, that is a heavy plate for next week. One thing I want to ask you is, so we yeah. just discussed how you were not a huge fan of the Batman Who Laughs character. No, no I'm, not, I'm not a big fan. I just didn't see the difference between the Joker and the Batman Who Laughs. Okay, all right. But you were interested enough, clearly, to, to pull uh, the Batman Who Laughs number one from that miniseries. Yeah, because I heard about the there's going to be a Batman who has it's like a Punisher-style Batman. In okay. Stuff. And that okay. pulled me in. Okay. Now, is that is it James Tinney in the fourth who's writing that, or is Snyder actually writing that one? Yeah, I think Scott Snyder is actually writing that one. Okay. I didn't, I didn't keep look it up. Okay. All right. Well, very cool. Well, thanks so much, everybody who happened to join in on the live show or watches the uh, archive version of this video in syndication. We do appreciate it. Please feel free to like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you have any suggestions, the best way to get in touch with us is our Twitter handle at E2KG Network uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can find Stephen at Ultimate Awesomeness, uh, and you can find the podcast itself on uh, YouTube, uh, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts, and iTunes. So thanks so much for everybody for joining in. I'm going to go ahead and just get us out of here while we're uh, fading pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, once again, on behalf of GearWorks.com, the E2KG Network podcasting channel on YouTube, uh, and Ultimate Awesomeness, and Mr. Stephen Laura. My name has been Agastically Stamus. This has been What's Your Issue, episode number 10, recounting our opinions of the books that shipped uh, 5 December 2018. We'll be back next week, probably on our regularly scheduled day uh, of uh, Monday to talk about the books that shipped today. And uh, actually, I'm going to get right off of here and go uh, get my books and download them for uh, reading uh, right I now. I not my books yet either. Right, 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 right. I just want to focus on this. I right, right. I don't want to put my mind on anything else. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, thanks so much for uh, joining in tonight, everybody. That's going to do it for us. We're out. All right. <laughs>